Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So huge thank you to Folgers, Amelia, and I could not do it without you. Also, big thank you to Justin Snicker, a.k.a. Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, for his contribution of his time, his music, and his voice for the intro that you just heard. He's an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on any of your favorite music platforms. Also, thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind all of our banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also specializes in the Halloween genre, but can do phenomenal commission pieces, books, comic strips, you name it. This guy can do it. So also, it is that time where we want to bring you guys up to speed. <gasps> That's right. The Paranormal Symposium, Halifax Paranormal Symposium, which is coming up on October the 7th. So pretty soon, actually, but a week and a half, Amelia and I in the Outer Realm do sponsor this uh, event. It's going to be fantastic. And let me see if I could just bring up some of the guests that are going to be there for you guys. Hold on. Stop the presses. I'm trying. I am kind of solo at the moment. Here we go. Great guests. So we have Kim Moser. For those who are all just listening, since we are a family, I tend to forget that sometimes. Kim Moser, Lauren Coleman, Richard Gallagher, Daryl Wash, Chris Stiles. Uh, Kim, Daryl, and Chris have been on the show um, before. And I know that the director, El Doc Dr. Elliot Van Dusen, and Dr. Daryl Walsh are going to be on tomorrow night. So we're going to have a whole lot of paranormal discussions and we're really going to touch a lot on uh the symposium as well just to give you guys a heads up they've got a lot of things going on and uh contests so on and so forth so heads up for that so tonight tonight we're doing something a little bit different i've been like super excited about this dang thunderstorm ruined it for us last time <laughs> so anyway uh they are with us this evening um, and we are really proud to welcome uh, Daniel and Teresa Duke, authors and historians and the great-great-grandchildren of Jesse James. They're going to be discussing their book, The Mysterious Life and Faked, uh-huh, you heard right, Death of Jesse James. Uh, if time allows, we'll touch on one of their other books called Secret History of the Wild Wild West. Super exciting, which will segue into another segment that they will be joining us on. And who better to consult with and 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 research and write 
the story about Jesse James, but his great great grandchildren who put a lot of time and research into this. I mean a lot. So it's going to be really fantastic. So for anybody who's listening on audio, uh, which I know is going to be like millions of people. So we thank you and be patient. For those who are in the chat rooms, remember people, we've got seven chat rooms. It's like having a super highway that comes down to like one lane. Um, so it's going to be, you know, a little bit, uh, Oh, you know, we, we have a pretty good handle on it, but we can't answer everything all at once and we have to keep up with the topic. So I see people are chiming in. So hello, Wayne, Tamara, Brian. Hey, Ryan and Dolly. I know you're in there somewhere. So nice that you guys are ahead of the game and uh, we're, we're looking forward to hearing your comments and getting your questions. So in the meantime... We're going to bring Teresa on and we're going to be waiting for Daniel, who's fashionably, actually, he's actually not late. <laughs> We've got a minute to go. Kudos to him. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having us on. Oh, pleasure. I've really been looking forward to this because like, seriously, who hasn't heard of Jesse James? <laughs> you know? There's actually some people out there who are like, who? I'm like, oh, never mind. Too yeah, I'm like, like for real? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, or they uh, think of the the they think of um, the modern day one, the bike rider. That's, uh, <laughs> they're they're uh, like, oh, him? I'm like, no. Yeah, we love him. Yeah. What yeah. Is, he's dead. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. No, you're not wrong with that. You're not wrong with that. I I think you know people. Googling information, don't know how to use actual keywords like West, yes. <laughs> Wild West, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to wait on Daniel and then we're going to, to get started. I am, like I said, really looking forward to it and I'm glad to, we well, that's great. <laughs> You'll find yes. that. You'll find that you guys are going to pretty much, you know, take this wherever you want to go. It's going to be very, very laid back. Amelia can't be joining us tonight. Um, she's been off for a little bit with, with family stuff. And, um, you know, I know she's just sitting there going, but you are coming back on. So she's like, okay, <laughs> that's all right then, <laughs> you know. So, you know, she does send her best and I know she'll be listening in as she always does. Well, we appreciate you rescheduling for us. I was so upset about that thunderstorm. We need the rain. Yes. But I couldn't think of the worst time. And then the internet went out. And I was like. <laughs> it's like, come so, on. Yeah. I, it it's actually cool. worked out. Like, we, we tend to book months ahead, you know. and But we always try. And this is really like a, a popular demand thing. We always try just to do a show, the two of us like once a month. And when I looked at the timing, I went, Oh, I could switch this. This is okay. <laughs> you know, was, so it worked out you. really well. Yeah. Oh, we were, I was really like ecstatic. I'm like, wait, wait, I have a solution. Yeah. I can't always say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, always we were like, really grateful. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. I see Dan is here. I don't see a camera. You had did you have to you, Dan, did you give your, well, let's bring them on. Nope, not connected. I don't know if you can hear me, but you have to give permission 
to your microphone and camera. So I will bump them out. Let me try again. There we go. Perfect. All right. So we'll wait. Give it another whirl. <laughs> StreamYard is actually pretty easy. I think depending on the platform, it tends to, it doesn't like Safari very much apparently. So, you know, Google Chrome apparently is its favorite. So I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, we can, you know, slowly get started as we wait for him to to come on so tell us about um you know we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get to you know the sort of humble beginnings with the two of you with everything but tell us about your background uh well i um i've been doing the research with my family for like over 20 years we started with my mom right. um there's not a whole lot to tell i work a day job right. um i do tech support and um, I do have a handwriting analysis certificate um, where I can help authenticate signatures. Um, oh. Just kind of not a whole lot to tell other than the research we've done with Jesse James. And right. that's, that's always my main focus. Even with my right. day job, I think it gets me in trouble sometimes because I'm always, my mind is not really where it needs to be. And it's always on the other stuff. Right, <laughs> the, right, I'm, right. I'm the main thing that we have spent our life researching. So, yeah, it, it's pretty exciting, though, when you think about it. Um, I mean, when I started looking at my family lineage, it was just once it's, once you start hitting on things, oh, it yeah. it just snowballs, right? And then yeah. you have to keep going. You can't just stop no. midway no. and oh wait, <laughs> sorry, yes, I do have oh, to yeah. work today. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you really do. Cause it's like, there's so much that you can find in your background and it'll, it'll take you down, you know, one rabbit hole and another. And yes. before you know it, you're just kind of immersed in it. So right. it's, it's right. just, it's, and it, it is hard when you are looking at on your day job and you're like, Oh, there's all my stats I have to think about today. I, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I want to be retired. Yeah, <laughs> I have things yeah. to do. Yeah, I got research <laughs> <know>. to do. <laughs> I know. It, it is really hard. There he is. All right. <laughs> Bam. Hello, sir. How are you? Pretty good. And you? Well, I'm much better now. <laughs> Gang's all here. <laughs> I was. I was. Well, I tried my microphone on my PC and it wouldn't work, so I got on the on the my phone. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Right. It sounds beautiful. So good. Yeah. So we are all good to go. All um, right. <laughs> so Teresa was just telling us about, um, you know, her background in in all of this. Uh, do you want to chime in with yourself as well? Are you just like author extraordinaire? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well. You know, our late mother, Betty Dorsett Duke, had started all, all of the research. She's, she got the ball rolling on all of this. Um, my sister and I just got, well, we were in college long, long ago. And uh, mom had some free time on her hands. So she, she want, you know, she, she grew up hearing the legends of Jesse James and her family at family get togethers, holidays, things like that. And she wanted to find out once and for all whether our family stories were true that Jesse James faked his death and died or didn't die as history stated. Right. So, uh, 
or, you know, was our family history true or was the accepted history true? You know, that claims that Jesse James was killed by Bob and Charlie Ford shot in the back of the head and, um, in 1882. So she wanted to find out what the truth was. And we had family photos, a treasure map that was passed down through the family and a lot of different items. And, uh, she, instead of going to just anybody, she took it to the, the biggest expert she could find, which was the Texas department of public safety, our state police, uh, wow. their, their forensic lab verified that our photos matched the historically accepted photos. And then she took it to the Austin police department, their forensic lab. They verified the same thing. And she took it to a third group called, uh, Visionics at the time. Then they were purchased by a company called Identix, but they were world leaders in facial recognition technology and sold their, uh, their, their software to the military and international airports, stuff like that. And wow. that's what got the ball rolling. And, at, you know, we thought the world, we thought the James Farman Museum in Missouri would be happy to know that Jesse wasn't killed and uh, that he got away. But that, that was the last thing they wanted to hear. Yeah. Academia and having to change history. Yeah. Not really a not really on their top list of priorities yeah. and yeah. it just sounds it sounds like your mom was messing around like she's just you know yeah just, just go to the top get this done and over with because there's a lot of like like you guys went through dna stuff there's all this dna yeah. stuff that you can look up on that and say no this is conclusive and so yeah. how, how do you work how do you first of all separate the legend from fact well Jesse's life up until it was both both the accepted history and our family stories agree pretty much on Jesse's life up until well after the Civil War um, you know through the Civil War he was born and raised in Kearney Missouri um, he fought in the Civil War he was 14 years old and wow. I don't know if you want me to go into details on no, why please. He, that's your show you take okay. it where you want it to go thanks he uh he, you know, he was 14 years old. He wanted to fight in, in the war. And then little backtracking on that, um, a lot of, you know, in history books, a lot of the people, you know, most of the time you see the Civil War started in 1860 and, you know, lasted four years. And that was that. Well, in Missouri, in Western Missouri and what's now Kansas, the fighting had been going on for about 10 years before that, almost 10 years before the official beginning of the Civil War. So, it, you know, you'd have uh, guerrillas and just it was like mob justice. You'd have guerrillas form like the Red Lakes in Kansas. They would raid homes in in Missouri. And, you know, at first they were saying they were doing it to free slaves, but they were killing people, stealing everything they could get. One of the preachers on the Kansas side would kill preachers in Missouri and take their, you know, whatever he wanted for his church, stuff like yeah. that. Uh, it, it got real bad. So Jesse's farming. He's 14 years old, um, and they live in western Missouri. Well, and a group of Union-backed guerrillas, the Red Lakes from Kansas, rode onto his farm. They strapped him to a plow and beat him real bad, and um, whipped him with their sabers. Is what you know, the flat end of their sabers, and then they tied his mom to a tree and whipped her. And she, some accounts say she was pregnant at the time. And um, then they hung his stepfather, Dr. Reuben Samuel, 
they didn't kill him, but he had permanent brain damage after that. And so, under, you know, I could understand why Jesse would want revenge, especially when you're a 14 year old kid. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, all and, that, and all that anger and testosterone. Yeah. And, yeah it yeah. wasn't so much politics. It was, yeah. it, it was basically defending your property and your life and your family. Um, right. And a perfect example of that, like Jesse, he fought for the Confederacy. Uh, Cole Younger and the Younger brothers also fought for the Confederacy. But the younger family were union backers. They they supported the union oh. until union backed guerrillas murdered and robbed their father uh, on his way from town. So that and that's why Cole Younger and his brothers joined in with with the James Gang. Well, with the guerrillas, and then after the Civil War, the James Gang. It, it wow. got real. It, it was you know it, people people like and I like it. It's easier. You don't have to think as much sometimes, but. Um, you know, you want everything cut and dry, black and white and gray. There's a lot of gray areas though. And most, much of history is just full of gray areas. I, I don't take it. I don't try to condemn anybody for anything they did in the past. There was a, um, uh, well, most people Hitler, I condemn, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could ramble on about that. But anyway, yeah. um, another show, man, I yeah. can't air us on YouTube though. <laughs> Yeah, well, there was there was one one quote I liked was uh, uh, it was from Louis L'Amour, and I can't quote it verbatim, but he said people should know not to judge. You don't judge people, or you can't judge people based on the canvas of their time. Uh, they can only be judged from people in their time, not in right. any other time. So right. I always liked that. So I always try to remember that when I you know I'll read something because we've had ancestors who were Northerners, ancestors who were Confederates. That was their fight. It's not mine. So I don't, right. I try not right. to judge them. War is a whole other cup of tea though. You know, like that's, yeah. the rules are, it's an entirely different world. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Right? Ball game. Yeah. They play by exactly. their own rules. Completely that's different. Right. And you can't judge because, you know, you're not in their shoes it's about survival right. it's about in some cases revenge yes. it's about like you said dan just protecting what's yours because yeah. you know like it's a free-for-all in times like that and people do kill yeah. mercilessly for no reason in a way like, when i look at they were a lot of them were farmers and yeah. you know they turned they yeah. were farmers and then they just turned into you know gorillas fighting to protect their territory and you know they yeah. they were just kind of thrust into it right right well and it reminds me of child uh the way jesse fought i mean he he was one of the younger younger of the gorillas uh he was only 14 when he started but there were he had a couple other friends around the same age and in our current time they would have been considered child soldiers and it just uh, it shocks I've me. Heard of in our time, yeah. yeah. You know, like so. wow. I mean, they they the world just. I mean, they do this. You know, in certain parts of the country, the world goes crazy over stuff like that. What was acceptable yeah. back then? I mean, they they wouldn't take too kindly to that nowadays. You know, exactly. so so he basically went in and at fourteen years old went in to protect the family honor and the family property and do his part. Yeah, and, and his brother, Frank. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and they, 
obviously survived the Civil War. That's true. Obviously, got shot. I think he, he was shot twice in the the right lung, uh, two different times during the Civil War. And last uh, time he was actually trying to surrender. Yeah, the first time he was trying to surrender at the end of the war, and he and um, he rode up, riding up to a Union picket, and they opened fire on him and and shot him through the lung. They wanted to finish him off, and he escaped. And somehow he survived, but he he literally had he had to doc he had to take care of his lung, dress it, or you know the wound yeah. for for several years before it finally started to get better. Yeah. Wow. So he yeah. he did try to do the right thing, you know, and surrender. But when he tried to do it, they tried to stop it, and so he, yep. they were kind of forced into the, that that lifestyle. Yes. I guess if that's what you know, but I mean, if you have to get clipped somewhere, the lung is the one, you know, organ in the body that can, or the, the liver, is oh, it the yeah. liver? The liver, one of them can regenerate and heal itself. So I think it's the liver. The liver, yeah, okay. It's the liver. Right. So the war is over and they go on, they've got a gang and they are doing this whole alleged Robin Hood thing. Yeah. Which is uh, what I love about this story. <laughs> they, they, um, that without getting into another topic, um, well, they they were branded outlaws. All the guerrillas who rode with Quantrell's guerrillas that that was a member of, or that's who Jesse rode with. It was a large guerrilla outfit, and they any anybody who rode with Quantrell's guerrillas was denied amnesty at the end of the war. And uh, they were no worse than the red legs that they'd been fighting, you know, for so long. But the red legs were on the winning side. So, you know, they were heroes and the Quantrill's guerrillas were considered outlaws. And uh, they were they if they tried to turn themselves in like Jesse tried, they you you were killed on site or given a quick trial and hung. So they cut it. And there's really there's no document proving it. Other than you know hearsay and, and from family and different books, other authors had said this. Basically, mm-hmm. he was um, he was he was an outlaw. They were branded outlaws, so they lived up to that name. Right. And they right. just they, they most of the tactics. Well, the tactics they used, they were used to fighting a war. It was guerrilla tactics, and it worked great for robbing banks and trains and stagecoaches too. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, big shoes to fill, big legends. Yeah. I, I mean, as for the Robin Hood side of it, uh, John Newman Edward was a, a well-known journalist back in the day, and he he had a he had a soft spot for the James Gang, the James Younger Gang, and he he wrote wonderful tales. He was basically their PR man yes. the entire time for years. Uh, any anything that was blamed on them, he he would he would write a big article in support of the James Gang. And he, he was basically their cheerleader in the in the newspaper world. So. Right, right. That's which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you got a whole fan club back there. This yeah. is great. You know, I'm sure there were a lot of people who were just rooting them on, the in yeah. especially on the heels of a war. Well, yeah. half, you want a hero. You want a hero. Yeah. And that, that's enough, that's interesting. You said that uh, um, Jesse and Frank. Well, half the country at the time 
thought of them as heroes. The other half thought of them as brutal murderers. But after everything was said and done, like uh, years later, Frank was brought to trial and he was acquitted of any crimes he was ever commit or uh, accused of. He was wow. acquitted. And, but the funny thing was he became a shoe salesman and did different, odd, just odd jobs around the country. But he, some of his best friends were former Yankee judges. They were judges who used who fought for the North. And I thought that was it. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, they think, Oh, it's the South versus the North. And you know, that war never ended for any of them. It actually did end. And a lot of their good friends were Northern judges and politicians. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. So Frank gets to get into a normal life pretty much for the most part. I mean, if Frank James can actually, you know, if you can actually call it as normal as possible for who he is. And Jesse just keeps living the outlaw life. Yeah. And he wanted out. Uh, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, Teresa. No, that's okay. Jesse had wanted out and he, he had tried to, a lot of people don't realize he tried to fake his death in 1879. Um, and it didn't work. It, one of his fellow gang members, George Shepard, claimed to have shot Jesse in the back of the head while they were all riding through uh, Indian territory, which is modern day Oklahoma. And George said he shot Jesse in the back of the head and made, you know, got to town as quick as he could and um, got shot in the leg. Got a, He got a little scrape in his leg. And claimed that that was one of the other gang members who tried to kill him because he killed Jesse. Well, a posse went out looking for him for the body. They never had a body. They never found anything. So that and then a few weeks later, Jesse was spotted in another town and it was it hit the newspapers and that chance was shot. Uh, he couldn't fight. So he it they kind of set a precedence there. Uh, he was wanting out. He didn't want to, he didn't want to keep up that life. He had he already had a family here in Texas by the before that. And then in eighteen eighty two, his um his brother or his first cousin Wood Height was in a gunfight with um Bob and Charlie Ford. Wood was sleeping with Bob and Charlie Ford's sister, Martha. And Martha had a farm. Uh, Martha was also sleeping with her farmhand, Jim Gibson. So it was a little weird love triangle. A yeah. fight broke out. And Wood Woodhite, Jesse's cousin, shot the farmhand and killed him. And Bob and Charlie shot Wood. And that was the end of Woodhite. So they passed that body off. That that's the body that was passed off as Jesse in eighteen eighty two when the world believed Jesse was shot in the back of the head. Right. So there's so, the body they were looking for. Yeah. And the funny thing yeah. is you can you know, people people would deny it. Uh, some of the some of our opposition would deny that was the case of course they have no proof and uh there's photos we have a photo of wood height alive and a photo of him in the casket it looks just like the same guy and when we've got a lot of proof that you know with tons of proof that jesse wasn't killed as history said but uh the one thing about wood is there's wood wood height came from a wealthy family in kentucky and they want they loved their son they would have wanted to bury him you know back then they would have wanted to give him a good christian burial the way it was worded and there's no grave for wood no known grave at all and it's because he was buried in jesse's spot 
Wow. So Passed that, off. Yeah. And, and I, I don't mean to get ahead of myself. I, I get excited about this and I start rambling. For so. sure, guys. Take a read one. I'll keep up. I promise. <laughs> but our, our late mother, uh, Betty Dorsett, she, she spearheaded the investigation of the exhumation that was done in 1995. Um, Professor James Stars from the George from Georgetown University got together with the James Farman Museum in Missouri, and they decided to exhume the grave and prove once and for all with DNA that Jesse died, as history said. And our mom, there, she and no pun intended, but she shot their story full of holes. Um, right. They 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 use the. The grave they, they exhumed had multiple bodies in it. It had male and female bones in the same grave. Um, the coffin, yeah, well, that was in the Tupperware in, on the farm. Uh, yeah. But that, oh, yeah. I'll get to that in a second. Um, so the grave they exhumed had male and female bones in the grave. Uh, they, did, they couldn't get anything that revealed any DNA. So to test it against a family in Oklahoma who claimed to be related to Jesse, but were later proven not to. Um, but the, but I'm trying to not get ahead of myself on this. So they, they dig up the grave. It's got multiple bodies in it and a female and male and the coffin that he was alleged that Jesse was said to have been buried in didn't match the coffin at all. The one they dug up didn't match it at all. Um, so, so they couldn't get any, any DNA out of any of the bones to test. So there was uh, the original grave that Jesse was buried in was on the family farm just a few miles away from the cemetery they did the exhumation at. In 1978, the curator of the museum um, dug up part of the yard and he found a dog tooth, a hog tooth, some human teeth, and some other bones. And he put it all in a Tupperware bowl and kept it. And he would pass out little pieces of bone as souvenirs to people. But that... <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Well, they like claimed, yeah, and and of course they claimed that was Jesse's bones in that Tupperware bowl. And first of all, that's that's the furthest thing you could get from a scientific, from right. an explanation. But right. uh, so so they had the bone, the bones in the Tupperware bowl, and Professor Stars, who wasn't and he wasn't a professor of forensics. He had not forensics was a hobby. He was a law professor. Um. He claimed that that was the only choice they had was to test that tooth against the family in Oklahoma. And um, they tested the tooth and claimed that, that it matched. And he, he, he proclaimed to the world that that was the tooth that told the tale. Found out later that all this, the background of that tooth, there's no chain of custody. There, it could have been anybody's tooth. It could have been somebody from the James family. It could have been anybody. Mm -hmm. Doesn't prove it was Jesse's. And... Yeah. Um, the people who they tested it against in Oklahoma had a questionable, questionable lineage. They can't prove who exactly they're descended from. But for the for James, they, James Stars and the uh, Missouri uh, James Farman, Missouri, were just trying to wrap it up real quick and t make the world believe that that was Jesse. And it ended up it, it there's they have no proof at all. They ended up actually shooting themselves in the foot. Um, mm -hmm and making themselves look worse. The attorney, the, the former Clay County commissioner who was in charge of holding the, t the teeth and a sample of hair that was said to have been Jesse's, 
by court order, he was he was ordered to turn that that the tooth and the hair over. The hair he submitted, he told my mother and my and me to my our faces. Um, he pulled that hair out of his friend's head and submitted that. <laughs> and the funny thing is, they built uh, one documentary they did around that entire hair, and it had nothing to do with Jesse. It was pulled out of a man uh, the out of the head of a man named uh, John Hartman, who was the Clay County Parks Director at the time. <laughs> it was, it was a, and all he would say about the tooth, he said, I guarantee you the tooth had the same origins, and that's all he would say about it. Right. So, so it, yeah, well, when we came out with all, our, our late mother came out with all this, uh, oh, people Danny. connected to the James Bond, go ahead. Also, Tell them, Dan, I, I, Danny had a discovery during that time when they were doing the exclamation as well. Uh, when they came out with the results, they said they compared the so, so supposed hair with the relatives of Jesse James. But Danny found some evidence yeah. showing that there was a question within their uh, their line of ancestry. Yeah, I mentioned that a minute ago where they didn't... They're, they have no proof as to where they came from, right. uh, so who they're descended from. There so a lot of questions. Yeah, it was a lot. It it was it was wild. But they, um, I can't remember where I started off, where I was leaving off at. It something about the DNA, the tooth. Oh, the yeah. other thing. The um, professor Stars, being a law professor at Georgetown University, claimed that Missouri State had a law because people people asked, well, why don't you just exhume Jesse's mother and test the people in Oklahoma against her DNA? That's the might she she would have the mitochondrial DNA they were looking for because that's only passed down through the a female line. Mm -hmm. Um and and people started asking him that and he claimed falsely that Missouri, the state of Missouri had a law that said you couldn't dig you couldn't exhume a body unless it died under mysterious circumstances or a murder, you know, something like that. There's no such law. We went mm -hmm. we went down to the University of Texas and we're talking to attorneys there or lawyer, law professors and one attorney. And uh, they, they helped us look look for any law. And they, there's no such law. Mm -hmm. He just made stuff up to fit his story. And also so, at Mount Olivet, uh, Mount Olivet Cemetery. Um, the whole thing was just a big joke. It, they, it was crazy. They were, they were known to move the headstones, and they did yeah. that because they feared the people would come in and try to steal Jesse's bones, so they would right. move the headstones. So they don't even know for sure if they were in the right, right. Uh, grave. Yeah. There's, and there's so much to it with that exclamation. So yes. let me back up one quick minute. How okay. exactly does history say Jesse was supposed to have died, and where was he supposed to be buried? Like this, obviously, it's a cemetery. Okay. You're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They said that uh, Bob and Charlie in 1882 in St. Joseph, Missouri, right. that uh, Jesse Jesse was living in a house there with his alleged wife and two children, okay. and uh, they claim that Bob and Charlie uh, had joined the gang recently, but they were working for the governor who put a price on Jesse's head. The governor, by the way, was a, a relative of Jesse's, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> another they, rabbit uh, hole. Full circle. Another 
yeah. hole. <laughs> so, Bob and Charlie, while the the way the story goes is Jesse saw he, he was talking with Bob and Charlie in the house and he saw a paint a, a picture on the wall. They called it a sampler, you know, those little um crocheted things that say home sweet home, stuff like that. Uh, right. he saw that it was hanging on the wall and it was crooked or needed dusting. There's two, two, there's a couple of versions of that story, but anyway, he was either, he got up on a chair to either straighten it or dust it or both. Right. And they shot him in the back of the head. That was the, that's that was the, the historical story. story. That's the end of it. But, um, if you've, ever, yeah. if you've ever been in that house in St. Joseph, Missouri, the ceiling in that room is so low. You'd have to be five foot tall or shorter to have right. to get up on a to need to get on a chair to to dust a right. picture it's a very low ceiling so right. uh, th there's stuff like that um the there was supposedly an exit wound in the head i mean it, we can get into the forensics of it um the we talked about the tooth and the hair yes but like yeah. uh there was a state a lady i can't remember her first name last name's babcock she's with the uh New Mexico State Police, or was, and she's a firearms expert. They asked her to reenact the killing, the alleged killing of Jesse James, and the gun was, it was a 44 revolver, and it was no, it, basically point blank range with a 44 revolver shot in the back of the head. Jesse would have had no face left. I was going it to say, there would yeah. not be much left at all. Exactly. It would have blown his face off. Yet yeah. there's no exit wound in the body. Right. right. So, so, you know, there was not even a, a scar or bleeding or anything um, that he would have, he wouldn't have had a face. So right. there's a lot of different experts, our photos match, uh, firearms experts, DNA experts. Another thing with the DNA that they were, they were dancing around. Um, they claimed that there wasn't a living relative and that they had done extensive research to find and found that there were no living relatives. So they had to exhume this grave. There was a living relative and her name was Sue Laura Hale. She lived in California. She was a direct descendant from Jesse's mother. So she would have had the, the mitochondrial DNA Yes. and they never contacted her. So mom contacted her. She went, uh, Sue Laura Hale went to her doctor he extracted you know, blood from her, got a DNA sample, and submitted it through a strict chain of custody to our DNA doctor in San Antonio. And when they tested it, he, um, our DNA doctor tested her DNA, Sue Laura Hills, against our late mother and said there's a definite relationship. But if you want to, he, he said in a case like this, you have to cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Basically, and cutting it down to what he was getting at he told us we would have to we need to exhume everyone from mom's dad to his mom and jesse so we need to every every um, generation between mom and jesse we need right. to get it we need to get not we don't have to dig up and i'm i'm starting i feel like i'm rambling we don't have to dig up the grave all you right. do is bore a small hole into a grave and you can retrieve a dime-sized yes. piece of bone Right. And that's all, all that's needed. Um, right. But anyway, when, when mom pointed out all that, everything, and there's a lot more to it, but um, everything she pointed out, she wrote in her second book. And that's when the death, she, she got a lot of death threats from people who were connected to the group in Missouri. 
Wow. And uh, the FBI got involved. Uh, they threatened like families sticking together trying to get the truth. <laughs> yeah. They threatened mom. They threatened Teresa and me. Uh, wow. But it was mostly aimed at, at our late mother. But uh, anyway, the FBI got involved and put a stop to it. And it kind of went over from there. <laughs> so we just Holy kept cow. on. See, uh, that leaves me like I'm speechless with that. Uh, I mean, you, here you are just trying to dig up the truth about your ancestry, and it's turned into a bit of a crapshoot, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, My mom went into it thinking, you know, people would be happy when yes. she, yeah. you know, yeah. that he, he didn't die. And, we still, it's, and it still seems so weird. It's like you've got an old West outlaw. He was an important part of history in that yes. part of history. But yeah. why would somebody go to those links to try to shut somebody up from searching for a truth? And, you know, we know they made at the mm -hmm. time they were bringing in about seven million a year at the, the museum in Missouri. And uh, right. we didn't we didn't want the, the museum. We, we weren't even trying. I don't know if they felt threatened uh, on for that or if it had to deal with ego. I really don't right. know, but it was it was really interesting at how far people go for for an old West outlaw. Well, I, I would I mean, my theory would be, you know, I, I'm a big believer. OK, let me get my tin hat on. This might get a bit <laughs> weird. So I'm a big believer in when, you know, something comes up that you're trying to either bury or put out there. Um, there's something else that you're trying to hide. So there's a lot yeah. of mysteries surrounding you know, his life. And like when you mentioned, oh, you know, we had like a treasure map. Where the heck did that come from? And yeah, is yeah. that something somebody wanted to get a hold of? Or, you know, like, I think it gets a little bit convoluted. Like, it's, there's a trail of stuff in his life. I'm sure he's had many phenomenal adventures, so to speak. Yeah. Some, some not so great, but some pretty interesting. That's true. Who would not and want a piece of that than an alleged family lineage that makes you sense. guys can prove it but this other family could not so could that be part of it well that that makes perfect sense oh and also before i forget um the a, after the alleged killing they had a coroner's inquest in saint joseph in 1882 so the next day they had this coroner's inquest and um they pulled his the lady who was said said to have been his wife her name was z mims so they pull Z Mims into the, you know, up on the stand. She gives her her testimony. But um, they asked her, how old was your husband? She's allegedly been married to Jesse for years and had two children with him. Yet she didn't know how, how old he was uh, or if he was missing a finger or not. <laughs> she didn't know. She didn't know anything about the guy who's supposed to be her husband. Yet she claimed that some jewelry was stolen from her house during all the commotion and she could detail every last piece of jewelry she had. And I thought that was, you know, was, there was a lot of odd things. And then, and then they moved the body to the James Farmer Museum a, mile, a few miles down the road at Kearney, Missouri, where the James Farm was. Um, they, they moved the body there to bury it. And Zerelda was, Zer, Jesse's aunt asked Zerelda, who was Jesse's mother, um, she said, that's not the Jesse I knew. Who is this? And Zerelda yeah. was overheard saying, by reporters saying, he, she hushed her and said, that's my rabbit's foot. 
what 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 mom would refer to her recently killed son as her lucky rat you know lucky charm basically mm-hmm. a rabbit's foot so wow and then uh that was there yeah. and it just keeps going but uh oh and right. then there was legends of a uh, one of the pallbearers nobody knew who the guy was, he was a, they called him the tall stranger and uh Teresa, that was a huge find she made. She found a photo in the Phillips collection, which we have in our, our book. It was of Jesse at his own funeral standing with his mother. Our great grand our great great grandfather, Jesse James, standing next to his mother at his own funeral. And at first, for anybody who doesn't know anything about that, it seems crazy that you would, if you're an outlaw and you're wanted and you faked your death, why would you even be at your own funeral? That right. doesn't, you know, it just seems crazy. But the thing is, nobody knew who he knew what he looked like. The only right. people who knew what he looked like were his gang members and his family. And right. that, which is another reason the Pinkerton detective agency had been chased that, you know, at the time they were on par with the secret service back in the day. They didn't even know who they were chasing. Right. So. Well, they they also um, they did a big write up on the funeral that day, and they were all talking about the mysterious the mysterious pallbearer that no one knew who it was, and yeah. that's when we were kind of came to the conclusion that conclusion that was probably Grandpa Courtney, aka Jesse James. Wow. Yeah, well, and then when Teresa found the photograph, it matches our great great grandfather, who has whose photos have been verified by experts as being the same Jesse James. So it was just awesome that we actually have a photo of him attending his own funeral. So. <laughs> you have to love that, though. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, pretty yeah. brazen. It's pretty brazen. Yes. Very, very. <laughs> you know, very sure of himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's just so, he was known as being very bold. So, right, right. right. They said he had no fear, and that kind of proved it. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. So you, so, you guys are going through all of this oral history. Um, I mean, kudos to your mother, really, yeah. for, for yeah. keeping oh, yeah. that completely alive. And, and, you know, you're growing up with this because I, at first I thought, God, how would I feel if I found out my, you know, my great, great grandfather's Jesse James was like, break freaking on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but, um, so, you know, sort of how I felt when, you know, I found out, you know, I was related to William the Conqueror. It's like, yes. Okay. Well, that's at least cool. we got a little bit of warrior spirit. In oh, there. wow. Fantastic. Yeah, right. Oh, that is that's really I have cool. to I have a long Templar line, yeah, lineage. As you can cool. see. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's for another show, people. Don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> but, I want to sit um, in on that one. Oh yes. I want to that sounds really cool. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, very fortunate. But again, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, you know, once you get started and things start snowballing, you're just like yes. mind blown and it's yeah. hard to stop. Yeah. Exactly. You know? well, and another thing, one one of the aside from our opponents and and the people who sent death threats to our late mother and all that, um, one of the big hurdles that she had that always irritated me and Teresa and her, um, when a woman, it, it was that thing, and of course this was it started 
I think her first book came out in 99. Um, women seemed like they took the, a backseat to male historians, if that made sense, makes sense. I'm sure it does. I mean, yeah, it, the, women, yeah. just because she was a woman, um, people like, you know, they had that attitude like, well, let me take a look at that little lady, you know, you just to make sure you're right. You know, that kind of attitude. And it right. was, it, that always bugged me. Um, right. And I'm, that, that was another reason that, and a lot of other reasons why Teresa is why Teresa and I can vow to continue the research. Right. I think it's great. Like from the time you started your research, or I guess your mom started the research to the time you wrote the book, how many years have you guys like, did you have to delve into that? Almost 30 yeah. years now. Wow. I was going to say yeah. it start like my mom knew, like always heard the stories her entire life growing up and she always told us about it and yeah. it was you know right after we graduated um she decided to pursue it further right. and so yeah i mean it's been since like probably like danny said 25 30 years now it's just right yeah, it's over it's just 25, I yeah and, and I then never you get, get to that point, it. it makes me feel old, so I quit counting. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that it, like, put, it put you through the ringer, besides that, you know, yeah. oh, the whole FBI thing, the threats, the... Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah, they guys, really did attack my mom. They, yeah. Well, even yeah. after she, she, she really passed away, her. she passed away in 2015, and... She was buried five days later before she was even buried. Uh, the some of the same people who were connected to the death threats were were posting things on websites all over the Internet, uh, making fun of like drawing pictures Still on her on her obituary, her. on her obituary pictures, things like that. So it, it there's, yeah, they were still, yeah. Still attacking it got her real. even after she passed away. Terrible things. That's just to me. So like, it was the know, more that they came, the more they attacked her, even after she passed away, the more me and Danny were like, we're just going to keep going, yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. Well, and it shows, in my opinion, that shows fear on their, on their side. I was oh. going to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Oh. That's, that's just like, you know, to disrespect somebody um, because they can prove you can prove lineage. They cannot. Therefore, it takes away that credibility as a researcher myself, you know, because I I'm one of those as you any good researcher is going to get in there, find the information, cross reference it as many times as you possibly can until you can't find anything else. And if you exactly. have somebody else who can't do that, it's shut the F up. Yeah. Just and I, it. And I, <laughs> you're right. right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's why they viewed her as a threat because she yeah. did. She stopped she to the fact. Finding, yeah. yeah. And she found sources to back up those facts. So yeah, and I exactly. think that's why she was viewed as such a threat. So and I she think, was a woman. They didn't like well, that. That, <laughs> that too. And she's, she, yeah. she opened up the can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's she's right. She's the one that was responsible oh, yeah. for paving the way for us sitting here tonight, these books all being published and all being right. so the public now the world can see it and it shows the truth and 
you may, you're going to have yeah. some opposition because they can't prove their truth. And That's Hey, true. I mean, if they're listening tonight and they, they'd like <laughs> to come on with you guys and, 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 and share their version of truth. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm not opposed to it if you guys aren't, but I think, you know, you have to be able to back up what you say. You can't just turn into bullies thinking you're going to scare the other side off. It's not how it works because the other side comes fighting with evidence. That's right. You know, which brings me to it. So when you started your research, you started with photographs. You started, I mean, for you, your mom did a lot of the legwork for you, right? You got the DNA. And in the end, you know, where, how did you keep going with that? I mean, you used handwriting analysis, Teresa, to put towards yes. that research as well. Yeah. We did you get certified so you analysis. could do it? <laughs> yeah. I actually did kind of. It kind of. <laughs> I, I, I found it fascinating, and right. I went with it <laughs> um, because we did. What kind of started that? Um, we have his journal, and. Uh, oh, when we were transcribing the journal for her first book, um, I located as, as his signature in there, J. James. And it was right. his diary as James L. Courtney when he supposedly, you know, moved on with his whole new identity. But right. sure enough, we found his signature, J. James, in his journal. Yep. And, and his initial JWJ. Yeah. And so that kind of did help me spur on to, to get certified because <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was so fascinating. This out. Yeah. So and just his journal alone is interesting um, right. because there's a lot of known gang member names in that journal. Yeah. Right. From so the right James there, gang. he's telling you yes. the story. Yeah. And he also was very paranoid in that journal. Um, he lived out on an old farm in Blevins, Texas, when he did create this new identity. And right. people, he would mention in his diary how people would come out and they would say their name. And then he would put like in parentheses, or so they say. Like he was yeah. so paranoid. Why would a normal for farmer just, you know, be that paranoid? He didn't right. trust anybody who came out there. Right, right. Well, now, I mean, with, with DNA, which brings me to this this question, um, has Ancestry got y'all as officially the descendants? Because that would shut everybody up. Did you, delve, did you use like Ancestry.com to get additional information or did you have to since you already knew <laughs> that, you know, we, we don't know grandpa? The, according to, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but um, mm -hmm. according to our DNA doctor, or spe he, he, uh, we shouldn't use 23 and me or anything like that. He said, well, he, <laughs> he does, he does testing not to, and he wasn't trying to bash that. Uh, it's yeah. got its purpose, but he said, uh, well, he, he does DNA testing for state and federal agencies and police, different cities. And, um, he said, according, and this is his words, um, 23 and me has its place, but it has no place in the court, you know, went like when it's right. good enough to convict. And he gave me one example and this is a horrible example, but he said there was a girl in Missouri who's who had been abused by her brother, her father and her grandfather. They all lived in the same house. 
Right. She got pregnant by one of them. And when this was a couple of years ago, I'm sure it's even more advanced now, but mm-hmm. they identified exactly which one. He said with that DNA being that close in a right. family, I mean, that wasn't the first time that was like a, a I guess a common practice in that, that family. Right. But right. Uh, he said, when their DNA is that close and you can pinpoint which one of those three was the father. Right. That's it, yeah. Yeah. He said, there's, that was just one example he used. But they, but, uh, they're not as thorough. Like they don't do the extent of testing. That exactly. They, it's like generic. That, Even when I got mine done, I never dealt with any of those. I went to an actual um, like national lab and got yeah. everything done. We did too. And That's we, what yeah. we did. Yeah. yeah. And we do have the DNA connection. Yeah. Um, so we put our, right. we put our, you know, yeah, we submit. Mom had, had hers tested against Jesse, so or against Sulora Hells, who would have they both have the same mitochondrial DNA. But mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I liked I I just I don't know why I felt the urge to put my sample in a the DNA bank. So right. <laughs> it's forever right. there. But right. anyway, I don't yeah. know why, but right. Anyway. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so as you start uncovering mysteries. Uh, regarding Jesse James and I'm sure Frank and the, and the gang. Um, what were the most interesting? Oh, we've got one photo, Frank, uh, Frank James, for example, he married a lady named Annie Ralston and she was from a, a real back the, the way they worded it in the day was a well-bred family, you know, well-to-do family. Right. Um, and they, they didn't like that. She fell in love with an outlaw, but, yeah, I guess most parents wouldn't like like right. that. But um, so Frank and Annie eloped. They ran off and got married. And it was always a question as to, you know, nobody really knew where they got married. Um, yeah. And we had found a photograph. Finally, Ma, our late mother found it. Um, There's a photograph and we have it. Jesse, it was Frank and Annie at their wedding at Jesse's house in Blevins, Texas. Jesse's in it. Frank and Annie are in it. Bill Starr is in it. And Jesse's parents are there. And, and also people from the Blevins area who have been identified by their their descendants, who's, some of whom still live in Blevins. So oh, it, it, that that was a per- you couldn't get a better photo than that uh, right. for us. Anyway, uh, other people hated knowing about that. Right. But uh, it's it's the truth. It just shows. And the fact that Belle Starr was there, I always I always thought she was a very cool character. And there's right. a lot more to her than like history thinks they call her the bandit queen. But nobody really knows what she did. Uh, right. She was like a facilitator in the underground. Uh, right. If you if you stole a, a herd of cattle and needed to to find a, a buyer, yeah. she would <laughs> find the buyer and politicians. She she. Uh, took care of problems for different judges and politicians, outlaws. If, if she, she was kind of like a little mob boss. So right. <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it was yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, very but, cool that it was a woman. Yeah. Very strong woman. Yes. And uh, she and Cole Younger, who Cole Younger was one of the gang, uh, the James Younger gang, but uh, Cole and Bell Star were said to have had on an on again, off again, love affair throughout the years, which uh, it, it was always that interested me. But um, when Bell Starr was killed, she was in Oklahoma. 
she she was she cleaned up her life. She was riding her horse from town back to her house and was uh, some man shot her from the bushes in the back with a shotgun. Oh, cowardly way. Yeah, very cowardly. Yeah. So, uh, right. And there, right. but that she was must just have known too much. Yeah, she probably did. You know, I'm going to ask you. I'll ask you a far question because I, I know it was in here someplace um, uh, about EVP. So I'm going to ask, you know, if, if we're going to get into paranormal. So, of course, people know, you know, like I'll ask, like, did you consult mediums or anything like that to right? the dead do speak? Yeah, I, I can attest yeah. to that. So <laughs> the dead. Oh, do yes. Speak. So, so okay good <laughs> funny, yeah well very funny especially lately she may be watching tonight i think she's watching i'm not sure uh heather heather besser she's a probably i think she's the best medium there is uh right. i've never seen anybody she knows stuff and i'm very skeptical on she, things like she that she was there we are heather <laughs> and hi she's heather good hi heather <laughs> heather is awesome um uh, and she, she is she, We've spoken to Heather. Um, I'm, I've always been real skeptical of this kind of stuff and, and just kind of took it with a grain of salt. If, you know, kind of like a, like a horoscope, you know, how a horoscope can, can, they're so vague, it's going to fit. But right. when it came to Heather, she got detailed like pets names, pet pets we've had who we never put online. We don't talk about them. And right. I've seen her yeah. do it to other people. Um, she, she's awesome. It, it blew my mind. It's amazing. So it's you thought, some of the some of she mentions a lot of details that aren't widely out there. That's right. where it yeah. And right. I guarantee you know you know because so, anybody could, anybody could research us and find stuff about us online and sure. put things together. But she said stuff that I know for a fact haven't ever been put online. Yeah. Uh, right. If you ever yeah, and if you ever if you have mediums on your show. She'd be a good one to have on your show. Right, right. I guarantee yeah. she would, she would Absolute, blow. Absolutely. We're, well, yeah, we're always open <laughs> to I wish she could pop things. on now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Heather, well, I mean, if you're there, Heather, let me know and I can. Uh, yeah, I don't, you'd have to throw, you guys would have to send her a link since you have the contact info oh, yeah. to bring her into the show. So, so basically, um, you you figured okay you know she seems straight up she's got this information that nobody else has, um, and she gave you some validations I take it yes very yep. nice especially on the theory about who we believe uh, was buried you know what height right right yeah and the odd the in, here's another interesting thing talking about Heather her um her spirit guide is at a place. And that was, you know, with uh, Butch and Sundance, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right. Yeah. At a place, Laura Bullion, uh, Butch and Sundance, that, that, that's her spirit guide. She said, <laughs> ever, well, I won't tell you her whole story. I'll let her tell you. One yeah, time. right, right. So, but um, it, it's, it, uh, it's amazing to me. Right. And she has really a lot of things, you know, we, we have a lot of, factual stuff we can back up but then there are things like the, just speculation that we have right. you know speculated on but she's confirmed that for us and that's a real that's just a real good feeling to have, mm -hmm. have that confirmation on the yeah. things that we can't 
back up with sometimes it's, it's it's what kickstarts things you know for me it was my deceased grandfather would come through with all this stuff and he'd leave things on my pvr i'd be like okay who put this on the pvr is nothing i would even watch i know it wasn't me you know and everybody in the house oh, like wow. i don't know what it is so then you know grandpa comes through on a reading you know like a month down the road he goes well now she gets it well thank you thank you for that you know but yeah. when i watched it i'm like oh and then he's like, okay. And then and then they get the ball rolling. And he spearheaded all of that from the grave. And I went on and did all of the physical and uh, scientific and DNA and all that it's, stuff. It's funny you mention that because we've never really discussed this. But um, when my mom did kind of really get really into it, yeah. there was this feeling that was so thick in the air that I could like an electrical feel it. charge. It was like an electrical charge atmosphere. And right. it was to the point like where she was like, it, that's kind of what really did spearhead it. Cause, and we never, we didn't ever mention that, but it was, yeah, but she was she part heard, of it. She still yeah, wanted to be part of it. It right? was yeah. almost like, this, and... yeah, it was something in the air that just seemed like it, it was pushing her to do this. And, yes. and like, so, what yeah. You, and what you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, you, we can get the DNA. We've got all the census records, birth certificates, death certificates, all of these records, his diary, photographs, all of that. And it tells a great story, but you don't, there's a lot of details that facts and, you know, paper records, um, mm -hmm. DNA, that it can't tell you the story. Where yeah. and, and there's always going to be, you know, mysterious there's always going to be some mysteries surrounding anybody throughout, throughout history. And that's where the medium just, it seems to feel it fills in not just normal gaps, but some of them are mind blowing. It's yeah. like, Oh my God. It I've opens never even up other doors. Like I yeah. have equipment oh, yes. that talks like very expensive equipment that talks I had designed. So I, I mean, and a spirit voice will come through and it's, and it's that person. Yeah. And it's it's almost eerie at first. You're kind of like, oh, you know. And um when you when you're hearing it from them and you're hearing the voice and it's familiar, it's sort of like comforting in a way. So you take the information and for, for what it is, and it's almost like like for me, my grandfather's like, I'm sitting there having a conversation with my grandfather, and when he's done, he goes, Okay, well, call again soon. All right, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and then I, I, you know, you get all of the same stuff validated by different people, gifted oh, yeah. people mm -hmm. to that. Cause I mean, I, just to prove a point, I would, I would read with three, four different people whom I felt were really amazing and they all validated mm -hmm. one another. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Oh, wow. See, that's, well, that's really, Yeah. It helps. That, that it did for me really because you have to remember, amazing. I got yes. that spearheaded by a Especially dead guy. Your mom yeah. at least was alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I totally like, okay, so my dead grandfather's telling me all this stuff. I really need to get into something that's going to validate some of this for me because I have a really logical brain and it's yeah. really, really tough because when you research, you, you know, you want to see what's black and white. You want to touch it. Yeah, you right. Be yep. able to, you know, you wanted to pop you into like another place and say, okay, well, exactly. yeah, and you can't, and and that exactly right, and and that's where I think the spiritual side of it 
combined with the science, the logic, the facts, make right. make it, it adds to the story. It adds right. a huge part to the story and fills in the blanks that, that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to find. Right. No, it's true. It's true. And I just want to make a comment. No, I don't I don't find it eerie at all. I, I've been hearing dead people my whole life. It's just sometimes when you have like when my grandpa's been dead like 30 years, uh -huh. it just it takes you back a minute, you know. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's an wow. emotional I think very much that so. emotional connection. Very that, much so. It's like oh, in, yeah. yeah. You know, because as a medium, I, you know, like I hear dead people, I see dead people, and I'm completely okay yep. with that. But when it's someone so close to you, it's still like, oh, because you yeah. realize, like, I really miss that person, and I haven't heard oh, this yeah. person's voice in a really, really long time. So yep. when they're when they're trying to push you on your path, like I have no doubt your mom is behind there going, you know, maybe you find yourself going into a certain path or a certain direction, but you don't really know mm -hmm. why, and it could mm -hmm. very well be jesse himself it could be your mother it could be other family members who are all there saying yeah. we're right here yeah Just ask right next thing That's you know you true. find this article it's like where'd this come from they're like right <laughs> yep. Yep. oh yeah well that that's like when Teresa had mentioned earlier about that electric the electrical charge it's like the, the air was charged you could feel it it was, and, it was and thick it, all electricity it right. would always show up, you know, you're, we're researching, we're doing everything we can do making, make, you're making headway. And then you come to a brick wall and you don't know what, you know, we never gave up. We would just start looking at everything um, and just trying, hope, hoping we'd find a piece that, that, you know, unlock that door. And then around, around the time where you feel like you could give up, although we weren't going to, that's when that would happen. It's like there's an electrical charge and one of the three of us, mom or Teresa or myself, one of us would find a major, uh, just a major find that would, would push the, the whole thing forward. Right. And it, it's, and I always, I always wondered was, was that help from the other side? Was it just, you know, why, why that electrical charge? You know, it, 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 it was, I don't know. I think it was spiritual help. Actually. I, think, I also <laughs> feel like it was just. I have a hard time um, admitting that, but I, I do think it. So. Hey. Well, I think it journey, was guys. destiny pushing her. I think it was destiny pushing her. It was destined to come out the truth. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, maybe he was pushing her to tell yep. the truth because it is a story that needs to be told i mean at any point you know you find the signatures jesse james did he at any point to your knowledge like just come out and say no man i'm jesse james <laughs> you know, like, come on and people are like yeah. yeah of course you are no 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 really yeah. i am yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. because i was looking new life so well that people like sure you are <laughs> yeah right? Because I, I remember looking through the journal and I was like, one night I was just combing through it. And I was like, why couldn't you just put some kind of hint somewhere in here? And then right. later yeah. that night, I took a break and I came back and there it was. And I was like, hey. I was like, oh, See? my God. <laughs> yeah. They did leave you a pretty big hint, I would say. It doesn't yeah. get better than that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's oh, true. yeah. And I mean. It's crazy. Did, you would think that. Frank somewhere along the line would have slipped up because 
you know, you 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 you're born, you're raised with your brother. Yes. You you go through thick and thin. You just almost die together. You just go through Frank. all of this, and yes. now all of a sudden you just say something. You're just calling him something entirely different. Like there had to have been something there. And yeah. Frank, there's not a whole lot on Frank, and that is another person I I would like to know more about Frank after he went on, you know, to live his life and. Right. Yeah. It's Our more, it's always been focused more on Jesse. Right. And yeah. I want to know more about Frank. So right. I don't know. Right. No, maybe, I mean, maybe they'll hear that and they'll bring something to us. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, you never know. I mean, yeah. You know, he took a back seat. You know, you have that term, your brother's keeper, you know? Yeah. He, and Jesse was the prodigal son. For yep. whatever reason, right? So yeah, it, Frank it's sort was of... more serious and quiet, and right. Um, Jesse was more, you know, the bold risk taker. So yeah, that's a, there's a funny story about that. First of all, mom said mom always said she felt sorry for Frank because it was Jesse and Frank, not just Jesse. Yet Jesse, yeah. Jesse was the one everybody remembered. And yeah. I, I always, we always wondered, was it because of his name? It wasn't just his name. He has a cool because name. Because of his alleged death. Everybody wants a hero. Yeah. And, when, and, and why do people get more famous when they die? This guy was murdered, cold blood. That's right. Yeah. That's just like artists. Most artists, you know, they're, they're starving during their life, painting their art. And then after they're dead, suddenly it's worth millions. So, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's but amazing. People, People want to know, you know, like per, here, I don't give you an example here. It's just a basic, basic question. Did he have a favorite food or favorite meal? Like people want to know who these people were personally. And it's I, stuff, I you know, know he like liked, honey. And he also likes honey. spicy sausage. <laughs> <laughs> like hot, spicy sausage. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> a nice combination with the honey. Yeah. And another one, thing he likes. His- one of the things he liked. No, one of the things he liked that shocked me was uh, he loved fine, fine uh, china, like teacups and saucers. Oh, really? Yeah, which I never would have dreamed. An old West outlaw who'd yeah. been shot up throughout his life and made you know tough as nails, loved fine china. So <laughs> do it with it was, style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do it with style. Uh, spirit medium. Daniel says, I have 20 minutes from the real Wild West and Tombstone, home of the Birdcage Theater. Amazing place. Oh, yeah. Amazing place. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's this craziness, all of it. But I love the personal aspect of it because it really makes him more, more real and more human, you know, yeah. because we, we all, the legends are legends. Oh yeah. yeah. We, we look at them larger than life and sometimes we forget that no, these people were real. Mm-hmm. They were human beings that had lives, they had, you know, families and likes and dislikes. Like are you guys still discovering things about him or have you pretty much got everything? I don't think we'll ever stop um well, you know, like we we've gone over a little bit on on like well, on how he didn't die as history said. Yes. Um, yeah. Some of our evidence that we've found over the years, things like that. But then there's other, there's a lot more to him. Yeah, um, well, let, let's go. We've technically the, have about forty minutes. Okay. Well, <laughs> so the, tre- <laughs> the yeah. treasure map, for example, 
Yes. Uh, that was passed down through the family. My late gr great aunt Judy, she she was something else. She was a character, but um, she handed them. She she got she had the map, and then she she passed it on to my mom. She passed the map on to my mother, um, and we couldn't figure out what the map was showing. It was just geometric figures, and it had code written. The code was fairly easy to break eventually, mm -hmm. and it just it told dollar amounts in gold, greenbacks, and silver. He called you know cash greenbacks. Yeah. Um, so it was gold, greenbacks, and silver that he buried, but there was no there were no topographic marks or anything. And I right. thought, oh my god, this is insane. Uh, I don't know how anybody could find that. Well, right. then later on, you know, we of course I kept that on the back burner, but you know, just always wondering what, where do you start for something like that? Uh, and then, you know, over the years and dur during research, we'd hear stories that Jesse and his gang were part of the Knights of the Golden Circle. And the Knights of the Golden Circle were a, they were a secret organization, kind of like a Masonic organization, only mm -hmm. they were, they were pro-Confederate. And during the Civil War, they were basically like the, the spy branch of the Confederacy. And they, they would, they would, everything they did was meant to slow the, the movement of union troops, burning mm. bridges, tearing up railroads, stuff like that. Um, and then after the civil war ended, they were said to, to have changed their mission from, uh, of course the war was over, so they lost that, but they, um, they wanted to refund a second civil war and gain money any way they could, uh, enough to refund a second civil war. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe it, that sounds like two football teams who are rivals. One right. loses, they always want a second shot, you know, that kind right. of thing. So, right. so going on with that, I started researching as much as I could about the Knights of the Golden Circle. And I'll say right up front, they lump people in like Albert Pike, Jesse James and others. And there's right. no proof that Jesse or Albert Pike were any part of that. There's no proof. I've never... Or if there is, I have yet mm -hmm. to see any proof that they're a part of it. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's easy to lump people into a group when you don't have written records or any proof. Exactly. It, you can yeah. say anything. Uh, I mean, map. they could say Captain <laughs> Kangaroo was in it, you know, and who's going to who's going to yeah. prove them wrong? <laughs> so, right. but <laughs> um, they had they had this. There was a treasure template that, according to the Knights of the Golden Circle lore. They allegedly got all the money they could any way they could. And not only once they got it, they would bury it uh, like, you know, they'd rob a shipment on a train. They'd bury the gold, stuff like right. that. And they didn't just bury it in any place. They buried it according to a to a template, a layout that they already had. And mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, there was a guy who came out. He was a hoaxer. He claimed to be Jesse James um, back in 1945, I think, is when he came out. His name was J. Frank Dalton. He's been proven to, to be a hoaxer. He also claimed he was Kit Carson, claimed he was a U.S. senator, all kinds of stuff. Oh, but boy. the guy wrote a, well, a guy, his handler wrote a book about him, and there were things in it that he obviously knew something about the treasures, and he knew something about Jesse and the gang. He right. wasn't a part of the gang, but he had more knowledge than a person should have. Right. And uh, so we got to look in, I, I kept researching these, uh, the template and 
kept that on the back burner because I didn't have a scale to it. And you can see it in my book, or you can even do a Google search for like Knights of the Golden Circle treasure template, or you can type in KGC treasure template, mm-hmm. and you'll probably find it. It's a rhombus with two concentric circles and little, it looks like bird tracks um, and stars, stuff like that. Well, I didn't, ha- I had that, but I didn't know the scale. It's, it's hard to find anything if you don't have a scale on a map. So mm-hmm. put that on the back burner. Um, couple years later, Wagner Carr, he was a former attorney general for the state of Texas. He was also involved in the Kennedy assassination, the Warren Commission, stuff like that. Um, he was real interested in Jesse James. So he would cont- he would call my mom and they would talk. And uh, they, at first he didn't like her. Well, he didn't like like her because she, she wasn't uh, backing his his story. And he ended up being three, he they ended up good friends before he died, and he wanted her to write a book about him. But long story short, he sent his driver out to show my mother and I where three large catches were recovered by, um, according to him, according to his driver, um, the people who recovered the treasures here in Texas. One's just right down the road from me, about twelve miles away. The Texas Rangers oversaw the recovery of the treasure. And I asked wow. Wagner Carr, I said, well, where, where did the Texas Rangers take it? And he never would answer me. I didn't think he would, but I had to try. So, mm-hmm. um, so, but he showed us three locations and I thought, okay, now I know exactly where these locations were. I wonder if that template would, would somehow line up with that. So I got the template, turned it into a transparency, got onto Google Earth, laid the template over it. And it and played with it, and it matched up not only with those three sites, but it put it was ex- right on Jesse's property in Blevins, Texas. So wow. I thought, okay, this, this it blew my mind. I thought I finally have it. Now I've got right. a scale. Well, and then right. years later, it kept going from there. But the template it turns into there's three of them. It, it they're all the same shape. There's a large, medium, and small. It's right. three of them. They turn it, everything about the scale, the dimensions, everything to do with that template ties in with um, Christian, Jewish, and occult Kabbalah. And it goes on and on back through that. Not only that, it ties in with uh, the, the Kabbalistic tree of life. There's also okay. a template in that shape that stretches from Bruton Parish Church in Williamsburg, Virginia, to Victoria Peak, New Mexico, where a large treasure back in the 50s, 40, actually it was the 40s or 50s. Uh, I'll have to look at that again. When they recovered that treasure, it was allegedly $3 billion in gold, the one that was in uh, wow. Victoria Peak, New Mexico. Right. And where did these, like, where did this all come from? Like, these are just That's heists? What I'm, well, see, like a, there was an old man named George Romy. World War II vet, 32nd degree Freemason. When he was a kid, Jesse was an old man. Uh, Jesse died in 1943 at the age of 97. George George lied about his age when he was like 14 and joined the the war. He went over to Egypt and that. But but before he joined, before the war started, he was about 10 or 11. And Jesse hired George to help him and swore him to an oath. They moved 700 bars of gold and buried it. And George, George drew the map exactly where they buried it. 
He said everybody, when he got back from the war, the three boys who helped him were dead. They died in the war. He was oh. the only one that survived of that group. And all the old men, Jesse and three of his old friends were all dead, just of old age. Uh, wow. And he said he, he, he swore an oath, so he never went. But he, he thought he thought enough of our mom. He said, I think that would belong to you. You're in it for the truth. You're not making up stuff. You yeah. honor the past. And so he he told us where it was. Well, it, it turns out that treasure where he located it at the time, it wasn't. But now it is. It's on Fort Hood Military Reserve. Oh, and there's no way I'm going thing. on that. Yeah, that, no. that would be impossible. So. No, no, but no. Wow. It was 700 bars of gold, each weighing 15 pounds each. That's more gold than Jesse and his gang stole during their entire criminal career in that one catch. Yeah. And he buried other catches around this, around Oklahoma, Texas, different places. Do you think he was burying them for this organization then? Yeah. And it's not the Knights of the Golden Circle. It's Freemasonry. It's, it's right. tied in. It's tied in with a group of free, a group within Freemasonry. Right. And right. Uh, I'm a Freemason. I'm a Scottish Rite Freemason. Freemason. But I, and <laughs> it was, <laughs> it, it was. I, then that's why I became one. I'm, you know, it was, it was yeah. one of the reasons why I, became I understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, like understand the whole, the whole yeah. moment of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I, when I got into it and I know this sounds corny, I, uh, who wouldn't want to find a treasure? I, yeah, I would love to, even so. now I would love to find a treasure, but my reasons have changed completely. Uh, in order to figure out how the treasure templates worked, the scales, the dimensions. I had to study things I'd never dreamed I would look at. Uh, prior to that, I thought Kabbalah was something Hollywood celebrities did with a red string around their wrist. And that, yeah. that's as much as I knew about it. Afterwards, I found out it, it that's a topic in itself that's so deep, you could spend several lifetimes and never really know it's all true. of it or even half of it. So It's true. Uh, it's true. I know. And um, there, I had, I went, I read about, well, Alistair Crowley. He's wow. he's not a he's not considered a nice character by most no, people. but he was think, so but, far ahead up yeah. here at like, yeah. the whole, you know, magic schools and things like that that go. Some way. some of his writings I found answers to yeah. uh, the questions I had. Uh, Jewish mm -hmm. rabbis from the past and the present. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, just studying everything I could. And Christian Kabbalah, that one's a mystery to me. There's a lot right. of writings from the past about Christian Kabbalah, but it kind of disappeared. I, I really yeah. don't know. I, I don't. I I know Rosicrucians, some yeah. consider yeah. themselves uh, yeah. uh, Christian Kabbalists. Yeah. Yeah. Je yeah. The Jesuits. Yeah. yeah I exactly. Know. And then I there's know. different groups. There's different groups like the Jesuits. Jesuits, according to some, are considered the bad guys, but then yeah. again, others consider the Masons the bad guys. So I always it's try true. to keep open minded and not, you know, just but it's it's, it, it's been I a, know. There's <laughs> there's definitely a lot of groups involved in this story. Yeah. A right. whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's so, there's it definitely seems to hop around a lot, just you know, reading um different things that even that you sent me you know to give me an idea of, of discussions and so on and it's just like my gosh it's really hard to pinpoint because now like this this could end up segueing in, into like the next segment yeah. <laughs> you know so oh, yeah 
but do, do you get tempted, you know, especially knowing that this treasure is there and it is on military land just to prove the point, like just to prove it's there? I've thought about it, but I also yeah. some of the larger ones like that, like that one's definitely a large one. I have a yeah. feeling they already got it. Uh huh. I have a feeling they that's why the base is where it is, or one of the reasons anyway. Because uh, they would know. There yeah. are people that will be high up enough to know exactly. Yeah, and as part yep, of the whole exactly. organization. Right? Exactly. And people in that group are more they they've got they they've got a long reach. And, sure and do. not you just that them, group. You don't want them knowing that you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've wrote about it, so now they all know. Yeah. But well, and the corny part that I was getting at earlier was just that. Um I you know, I I thought, hell, I'd love to find some gold. And then you start finding out everything that went into it. And right. it ties back. I did it's almost like doing your genealogy only of an organization and people right. connected to one another. I ended up tracing it, you know, Jesse, there's Albert Pike goes back to the different Freemasons in the U S to mm -hmm. some of the founding fathers, uh, right. goes beyond them to, uh, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, who was considered the founding father of modern day Freemasonry, Rosicrucian, the Royal society, a lot of different groups. Right. Uh, so I thought, okay, he's the guy who started it. He wrote a book called uh, The New Atlantis, which seems to be a blueprint for America. If you look at it in that light um, wow. or, or what America was supposed to be. But I thought, OK, this is the guy who did it. And for about three days, I was satisfied and I had nagging questions that ended up going down a whole new journey from Francis Bacon to his mentor, John D., who was involved with, you know, the Enochian magic, Enochian, yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, from John D through other alchemists and learned people to uh, Jewish rabbis, mm -hmm. uh, famous, some, well, most famous in their own religion, but then there, it led, it went back to, uh, I traced the rabbis through a line from Spain, Portugal, different parts of Europe, the UK, Not back to a, rab a rabbi known as Rashi, who was the favored court guest of Hugh, the Count of Champagne one of the founders of the Templar. <laughs> I know. And I thought, oh my God. It will when I I I had no doubt on this. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the book and I, I submitted it and I thought, oh my God, now there's no turning back. People are gonna think I'm crazy as hell. And uh then and I didn't know the publisher had sent a copy of the book to the current Knights Templar Grandmaster Timothy Hogan. Ouch. He, he wrote a glowing endorsement of my book and, and in his endorsement says that I cracked part of the part of the code dealing with the Templar treasures from the temple in Jerusalem, which will be the next segment in November guys. I look so, forward to it. I know, I'm sure people are just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, yeah, that definitely will be, will be interesting. But that's what I'm saying, where your research has led has just taken you down a rabbit hole that you I'm sure you did not expect. Because when people yeah. think Jesse James and Frank James, they sure in hell don't think Masons oh, no. and, and yeah. societies. And Tim Clark and, Treasure. And yeah. yeah people no. just don't. They just don't think that. No, Especially my on mom, this side of the world. Like you don't. 
my yeah. mom my mom really didn't know when she was doing this just what she was opening up. She just thought people would be happy that Jesse faked his death and lived so, to be old. Yeah. That, okay, so with that being said, you think that's why you're getting so much resistance on everything? It could be, uh, and I actually, what plays into you, it? I think yeah. you hit the nail on the head. Uh, yeah, I, and you, you know, yeah, it, it's interesting. The funny thing. One of the funny things I remember when I first joined the Masons, I thought, I thought, okay, finally, now I can right. talk to people who know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Most of the the guys in the Blue Lodge don't know anything about that. I mean, you know, they they they're good guys. I'm not trying to talk bad about them, but they don't know anything. A lot of them don't know much about the Templar and and that topic. Right. If that makes sense. When when you get yeah. higher up, you 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 start learning more, but in a different light completely. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not something that anybody, I mean, especially back then, like they really were secret societies yeah. and now they seem to be more open about it. Like I have a collection of what they would call odd fellows, which were yeah. very, okay. Well, I actually went bought out an odd fellows lodge and I have other pieces Oh yeah, because I mean, all these poor guys are like ninety years old. Yeah, and their furniture is like yeah. five hundred freaking pounds, and yeah, you know, and they, <laughs> so they're just like, yeah, can, you know, can you just clear it all out? I'm like, yeah, of course I can, you know, because I love thrones and stuff, yes. right? That's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. I do, I, and these things are like one of a kind because they were done by the prisoners of a prison in their city. Wow, you know, or town at the time, yeah, as a as a rehabilitation program, and the prison's also closed now. So I've got these original pieces of hand carved masterpieces, like the 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 Grand Master's throne has to be like you know eight feet tall. Wow, I know, it's just That's like really cool. I'll send you pictures. They're I'd just, like to see it. Oh yeah, unbelievable. So I understand, and they tell you things like, okay, well here's some of the rituals. And the and they give you me these booklets and I'm just like, holy crap! Oh wow! <laughs> I know. I'm like they're real. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, wow. But they're just. I'm sure it's not like the real hardcore stuff. You never that stuff yeah. never sees the light of day. But well, you I'm, never I'm know. Getting, I'm getting props and I'm getting like I have like ceremonial swords. Oh wow! And, and grandmaster yeah. swords and and I'm just sitting here thinking they're just loading up the truck. <laughs> so that's really cool. It, it is that very is. cool. I'm, I'm, I was very honored to to have it to be interested yeah, with it. I think, if unless I'm mistaken, like in cemeteries, I love looking at the old sides of cemeteries. Yes, and uh, you'll see their initials. That it's I O O I O O F International yes. Order of Oddfellows. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And, and you then, have that. You have that up there, and the different symbolisms. And, and there's so many other groups. There's like the Knights of Pythias. And then there were groups like uh, the Order of the International Order of Improved Red Men. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. There's um, all it, kinds. Yeah. They all kind of stem back to the Masons. So yeah. I, I find I find it super fascinating. I really do. Oh, and yeah. and according, you know, to you know, uh, my friend Dolly, who was just in here a little while ago, the Scottish Rites Masons are the only ones who derive right from the Knights Templar. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I've I've heard. Yes. But, yeah, I actually right. read that today. I was doing some more research. There, there is also a 
the York Rite. It's yeah. it's interesting because on the when when you after you're a third degree, you know, a master mason, you become a master mason. That's the third degree, and then you, you can either go Scottish Rite or York Rite. Uh, you can do both. I know a lot of guys who are both, but uh, I haven't gone York York Rite. I went Scottish Rite, and if you get without getting into any details i'm having to watch myself on some things of course of course um like on the york right the the top of that one is a templar you're a knight templar that's right but it's it's interesting it is interesting yeah (laughs) it is interesting for sure it is but i love the scottish right and i can say this i mean there's you can say i can say anything that's in print if it's right. in print, I'm allowed to say it. So, right. um, and there's a lot in print. You can find just about everything on online. Right. But uh, the the esoteric side of it, the the Scottish Rite is more esoteric. Right. And in Louisiana, they're more esoteric than most of the other states. With the keepers of knowledge. Yeah, Louisiana's Scottish Rite can perform certain. Well, rituals that the other other states can't. Right. And I thought that was interesting. That I, is I, very interesting. Yeah. It is. There's a, there's so much in there, and and you know I find it interesting that you sort of picked up the torch, and that you have your great grandfather who somehow was in the middle of all of this, and and I also have another friend who they found proof um, of a settlement in Wisconsin of Knights Templars that came in a really long time ago. Wow. So they they worked their way through. Now the site hasn't even been like totally researched yet, but they have found things there that have symbols that have only been seen in the Holy city. Oh my God. I'd love to know. I would just like to know where, because I, I can hook you up. Okay. That would be wonderful. Because they would have come in, like, and they would have worked their way. They would have worked their way down. Oh wow! And yeah. and and from from probably from Scotland, a lot of connections to the Native American Indians. Yeah. Um, this is this is on a reservation. Oh my god, that's, that's really a, cool. You know the I think he's the Grand Archivist. The uh, I know another Freemason who's an author, William William, not William McCann. It's a different guy. Dang. Man, William Mann. Uh, I'll, I'll have to get... Anyway, he's an author. He's also a Templar or a York Rite and Scottish Rite. And he's like... I think he's the Grand Archivist for Canada uh, right. of the Scottish Rite, I believe. Anyway, he's he's a, he's he's a member of a tribe as well. And he talks about the Templar and the natives. They, they, got, a, they got along great. Oh, yes. There, uh, there's, there's stuff surfacing everywhere. And that would tie in. Locations loaded. I I often wondered. uh, Quanta Parker. He was a famous Comanche chief. Right. Uh, He he. We 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 talked to his grandson. My my late mother talked to two of his grandsons, and um, their wife. They were both married to the same woman. She was married to one, and he died, and then she married his brother. And he he was also a chief of the Comanche. They were descendants of Quanta Parker, the the last great Comanche chief. Um, Jesse buried some gold on Comanche land in Oklahoma, and it was allegedly two million in gold back then. Wow. So that, 
I don't know how much that would be worth a lot more today. But more. the the thing about yeah, without getting into it belongs. Yeah, uh, it sounds corny because I sound like those old guys who are like it belongs in a museum. I but, know, <laughs> but it's just it's the the relationship with the Native Americans and the Templar and right. people like Albert Pike. He he had a great relationship with a lot of different tribes, Cherokee and others. Mm -hmm. um, right. Very good. He would he would represent. I think it was a Cherokee tribe or Choctaw. I think it was Cherokee. Albert Pike represented them in a legal case against the U.S. government, and because of Albert Pike, the government paid the the natives a large sum of gold. I love that. That to me I is really it. cool. So I, th I think a lot of stuff was was hidden on on native land. I do too. I mean, how far north did Jesse go? Oh, he went, I'll tell he, you if you're warm. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Northfield, Minnesota is the, I think the northernmost robbery he'd made or right. documented robbery. But uh, there are people that say he was up in Wyoming, Canada. Albert Pike was in Canada shortly after the Civil War just because he didn't want to, you know, people were after him. After right. Abe Lincoln was assassinated, Albert Pike went on the run and, right. uh, then he was pardoned later and came back. But, um, right. and it's not just Jesse. That's another thing. Here's another cool thing in the diary. We have Jesse's diary. He mentions a trip. He and the guys went on and it was him and known gang members. It was basically without saying he robbed. It was like, tell us you robbed it without saying it. Uh, <laughs> if you look at that, where he was lines up with old news articles of robberies that happened. Same time, same lo same area, everything. They went to Shreveport, caught a, ri a riverboat, um, went down to Nat Natchitoches. Yeah, Natchitoches. I think they call it Natchitoches. Yeah. Natchitoches. Well, there's Natchitoches on the Texas side, Natchitoches on the Louisiana side. But anyway, uh, he rode back. They, he and the gang went north. They stayed the night at a man's house. It was na named Gervais Fontenot. And I thought, who's this guy? You know, anybody he mentions, I read. We would research everything we could on these people. So I'm researching Gervais Fontenot. He was a retired U.S. Marshal. I thought right off the bat, that's odd. Why would Jesse have anything to do with the Texas Marshal or U.S. Right. Marshal? But all, uh, Jesse's father-in-law, he mar his wife was Mary Ellen. Her dad was a Texas Ranger. Captain. But, but, yeah, a Captain Thomas Hudson Barron. Uh, Captain Barron, what a lot of people don't realize is Texas Rangers back in those days, they one day they're rustling cattle, the next day they're a Texas Ranger. You know, I mean, it was it was just wherever they got money. Who's left standing? Yeah. You're now a Ranger. <laughs> exactly. So, and I, I wondered if it was the case with Gervais Fontenot, the former U.S. Marshal. But mm -hmm. the cool thing about Gervais, I found his family's genealogy. And Gervais, according to their gene genealogy, is a nephew of Jean Lafitte, the famous pirate. Wow. And, and it just ties in. I thought, okay, pirates, outlaws, this is getting weird. But it's yeah. um, Freemasonry tied a lot of those people together. Yes. And it was almost like a network, just like the Templar used to do. I mean, Templar, after they were, after they were banned by the church, a lot of those guys were said to have become pirates. So, I mean, it's, it's not really that far. Was a right? branch of them that did, yeah. But like you had mentioned earlier, uh, we, when we first started this, it's like, you know, we thought, okay, he's an old West outlaw, end of story. We didn't right. 
we, we, our wild in our wildest dreams, I couldn't have come up with this kind of stuff. Templar right. treasures, pirates. Uh, and I think what happens is when you learn in school or, or in just human nature is to categorize everything. It's yes. like, okay, he's an old West outlaw. He belongs in the old West in a little town and they mm-hmm. shoot guns and that's that. And yes. then, you know, these other characters do their thing. There is no, no gray area, but they, they, there were. And, right. and it, it, I think it bothers a lot of people when they've got their mind mentally, they've got everything categorized and stacked up real nice and neat. Then something jumps out of that box and it throws the whole thing out of, out of order. And I think it, causes a lot of people to have different types of reactions, if that makes right. sense. Right. No, it absolutely does. It goes against the grain. Yeah, it does. It does. And that, that, that goes back to that old saying, the truth is stranger than fiction. It truly right. is. Right. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, you guys are definitely proving all of that. And I think, I think, like I am just mind blown because I grew up thinking it Jesse James Frank James and and when I have to take my pick of outlaws it was always Jesse James so I was thinking to myself yeah this is gonna be great and now because I believe in synchronicities and I don't believe in coincidences and I come from like a Templar bloodline so for oh, me I do too yep right? I do too and and I I think that when things tie in together i'm sitting here kind of thinking this is actually pretty amazing yeah i I love it i love it so i know so guys we're we're coming up to the top of the hour so i want you to hang in when i when i sign us off and i'm going to fill you in on a couple things but tell everybody how to get a hold of you where to buy the books i'm going to pop the book right back up here and do this one this is one we've been talking about let me get rid of the banner so we can there we can see Teresa's name. Yeah. <laughs> well. there we go. All right. Shoot. All right. Yeah. You, uh, our book, Teresa, I'm sorry. Now I'm getting tongue tied. Uh, <laughs> our books, you can find them at anywhere books are sold. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Simon and Schuster, uh, p- our publisher, intertraditions.com. Um, there, and if you want to learn more about us, you can go to our late mother's website, which is jessewjames.com jessewjames.com oh and okay it, see i didn't have that one this middle name was woodson my site is under construction right now i i don't know what i did but i messed it up so but, <laughs> but mom's site's still going and she's got a ton of information on there uh right. and yeah let's see i'm trying to think of anything i may have missed you know of anything Teresa? no just um we're on facebook yeah, Facebook, I think, Twitter. I think all you're on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll make yes. sure all of your links are in here. So maybe just fire me off the Jesse James one and I'll, I'll put it in there as well. Okay. So when people come on, um, they'll be able to to find it. Just click on it and go to the books. I, all the links that you sent me are actually okay. in the broadcast. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. Try to try to make things a little bit easier. So, <laughs> so now, so now I'm, I just have to go through some technical stuff. Bear with me. So guys, we have come to the end of another fantastic segment. Let's not forget this guy right here. There we go. 
the Halifax Paranormal Symposium, which is, of course, Halifax, Nova Scotia in uh, eastern Canada. And there's going to be some great guests. You know, Amelia and I, of course, the Outer Realm are sponsors of the uh, the symposium. So that's an even like cooler thing to yeah. remember. <laughs> so I wish I could actually get there. But unfortunately, it's just my schedule. Like, Good luck. I just can't seem to catch up with anything. But here are the guests for this one-day event, which is Kim Moser, Lauren Coleman, Richard Gallagher, Daryl Wash, Chris Stiles. Daryl Walsh and Elliot Van Dusen will be on tomorrow evening. So you guys will have to come and check them out. So their their podcast is called The Dueling Parapsychologist. They're a hoot. They're a lot of fun, really knowledgeable. Chris Stiles has been on. A lot of people will remember Chris from the Shag Harbor investigation, which was really huge with the Canadian and uh, U.S. Navy uh, when this happened back in the you know, back in the seventies, I think it was. So really he's going to talk about a lot of things. Um, so definitely prep up and get ready for that. And in the meantime, again, big thank you. Cause I didn't do the sponsor ID or anything um, right smack in the middle of the show. Like I was supposed to, cause I was just like, <laughs> so, my bad my bad on that so anyway a uh, big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring us tonight and every night we appreciate you so very much thank you big thank you to Justin Snicker aka Dr. Snick the Sonic Surgeon who is an award winning composer of Halloween horror sci-fi and dark wave electronic music which can be found on all of your favorite music streaming platforms he is the voice and the music that you hear on the intro every single show big thank you to him big thank you to Steve McGinnis the artist behind our banners and logos check him out on Facebook and Instagram uh, tomorrow night as mentioned we're going to have Dr. Elliot Van Dusen and Dr. Daryl Walsh so tune in for that it's going to be a hoot till then guys behave we'll see you tomorrow night good night good night